Father, we come before the throne of grace, O oh Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this gathering that you've appointed. So it's not an accident that we are gathered together. Our Father, I pray that our hearts will be open, Lord, our minds and our hearts will be receptive to hear the spoken word of God. And Father, Holy Spirit, enlighten the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that it will bear fruit in our lives, O oh Master, this evening time. Father, let your abundance flow freely, O oh Lord, unrestricted, unhindered by any demonic assignment, O oh Master. And I pray that the power of the Lord will be manifest, O oh Lord, in signs and wonders, attesting the word of God, because you are the living word of God, O oh Master. And Father, help us to receive it for incredible miracles and victory is available, O oh Master, for us by hearing of your word. Father, we receive it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Thank you. Uh, thank you for all the sharing. Uh, we believe that we are living in uh, very momentous, momentous times. Uh, we believe that God has got a plan. Uh, very early in this year, I think if you remember the first live team that we did, I think it was February, right? February when we had, the Lord had specifically said that what you declare over this year is going to be very crucial on how it will turn out for you. Uh, remember that? And we said that. And this was way before even COVID was, uh, the crisis came about because that came only in March. Um, so we started to, started to see that. And the Lord was saying, watch what you put in your mouth this year. So what you declare is what, is important what will happen, what, what, what is going to be very consequential for you uh, for the rest of the year. So it's very important that what we declare at the beginning of the year, so all the promises and the goodness and the prophecies that God has spoken to you at the beginning of 2020 are still applicable and nothing has changed. So now the worlds are going to get framed by what you have declared. So it's very important that you stay, hold fast to that confession and don't change midway during this year. So we are very interesting that our life team is right now. We are in month of uh, August. So it's like almost the half past the halfway part, part of 2020. What you do in the valley declares what's, what's going to happen the later part of the year. And I believe that the Lord is bringing a word today to encourage you to believe the words and to declare and not change your confession going forward during this time, okay? So we will talk about uh, 2020 specifically, and we'll talk about Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, and we will cover that shortly uh, during the course of this um, uh, message. But uh, last time we talked about the abundance for your soul, right? So I think it was a, it was a, it was a long message last time. I don't <laughs> I don't know how many of you have got a chance to revisit and hear some of the word. Uh, there was so much of material, but I loved what we talked about, uh, how Satan looks at us right now as a believers, and he doesn't want anybody to know about that. Can anybody remember which chapter was that? Zephaniah. Zephaniah and Jeremiah chapter 50. Jeremiah chapter 50 is a chapter that you need to, if you want to get the perspective of Satan and his kingdom, what happened and what he thinks of you and I, read Jeremiah chapter 50. 
it's very powerful it's it it's it's it talks about the king of babylon but it's really talking about satan himself and his kingdom very very powerful chapter spend time trying to understand then you you will understand that he is afraid of you not you are afraid of him amazing so it's things have completely shifted in the kingdom amazing but last time we studied that unless your soul is completely satisfied you will never be at you will never how do i say it unless your soul is completely satisfied you will never be at rest uh, we have been designed unique right we as human beings are designed to always live in abundance like if i tell jr hey uh, uh, you have only uh, 50 liters of oxygen for this month for your household correct so you suddenly become very aware of oxygen so morning evening you are constantly worried about how to conserve the oxygen that you have correct so we cannot live on a set measure we cannot live like they say you can you can only drink so much water you might never drink all that water but the very fact that today you have a limitation on the amount of water you are supposed to drink guess what you are you are waking and your uh, sleeping thoughts are always going to be i hope i don't run out of water right so in every area of your as a as a human being we have been designed to live on abundance we always need to know that god has supplied so much i don't even have to worry about it there's so much air i don't have to worry about there i'm going to never run out of oxygen there's so much water i'm never going to run out of water and but in any area where you're restricted like for example in the garden of eden there was a restriction isn't it they said of every tree you can eat but don't eat of that one tree the moment they said one tree suddenly what happened there was a restriction on the supply really i mean they could never finish eating all the trees in the garden any case but just because god said you cannot eat of that one tree right suddenly their soul their waking moment every time they are thinking what are they thinking about they're thinking about that one tree look at how so god never designed us to live with that restriction on your soul he wants you to live with abundance that he wants you to live in a place where eat of any tree and not and but he could never bring he could never give us that he had to put that restriction in the garden because man was not depending on the lord jesus for their righteousness they were depending on their work so if you are going to depend on your work you have to be perfect completely today in the new covenant all our righteousness is from the lord jesus christ so now we have this abundance that was not available for adam and eve very powerful i would want you to kind of meditate on it and understand it that in christ jesus you have the abundance can you repeat after me in christ jesus i have the abundance i have the abundance that even adam and eve did not have amen so i have the abundance i have the abundance so this is what let's go to um let's go to i isaiah chapter 66 today we'll cover a lot of points i i i want you to stay steady with me you'll you'll be excited i'll show you some beautiful things from the old testament and from the new but something very something uh, so i just want you to 
just keep tracking with me. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 66. It says, this is about the church. This is where Zion is. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad. Glad all who mourn for... Uh, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all who mourn for her. That you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of a bosom, that you may drink deeply. Look at that. No restriction. How do you drink? Deeply. <laughs> you don't drink deeply if you think there is a supply shortage out there. So he says, now is the church, you drink deeply and be delighted with what? The abundance of her glory. What is glory? That means you need to have so much assurance of your righteousness in Jesus that you will never run out of it. <laughs> I mean, you'll say, but Anil, I just sinned yesterday. Guess what? There is so much supply of righteousness. You will never run out of it. You will never run out of it. So what is abundant to you? Abundance of your glory. Then look at what the next verse says. Thus says the Lord. This is only available for believers. Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. What do you mean peace to her like a river? What is the single biggest characteristic of a river? What is the single biggest characteristic of a river? Somebody? Never runs out of flowing. Never runs out of stop. It never never runs out of. Never flowing. It never stops flowing. It keeps running. It keeps running. It so it keeps running. So it, you it never stops. I mean, one flow stops, the rest one is coming. So it's like a constant supply. So God says, the Lord says, I will extend peace to you like a river. When do you need peace? When you think that you messed up or when you think you don't deserve it. God says, don't worry. Peace is just going to keep flowing towards you like a river. The moment you receive peace, the next verse says, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. You know, what do the Gentiles seek after? They seek after the wealth. They seek after healing. They seek after honor. They, they seek after a lot of things, right? This is talking about the Gentiles. The Lord says, if you receive peace like a river, guess what's following you? The glory, the glory of the Gentiles will come to you like a flowing stream. Stream is always less than the river. But he says, you need peace like a river. Guess what? The glory of the Gentiles is automatically going to reach you. That means you will receive your prosperity. You will receive your victory like a flowing stream. Then you will be, you shall be feed on our sides. You shall be carried and be dangled on our knees. Okay. Let's look at this. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 31. Verses... 10 to 14. Let's read verse 12. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you cannot even hide prosperity promises out here. You will come streaming to the goodness of the Lord. Again, look at the word goodness. The goodness of God is like a stream, like a river that's constantly flowing you. In the old, in the first covenant, 
you have to it was transactional you are good today you'd receive some good from god tomorrow you're bad you are separated from god today things have completely changed you're good today your the goodness of god comes to you like a river you're bad tomorrow what happens the goodness of god still continues to flow towards you like a river so nothing changes because the river is not dependent on your goodness make sense it's a huge big difference for wheat for new wine and oil this is not talking about spiritual stuff this is talking about real stuff provisions in your earth so this comes to you for the young of the flock and for the herd that means even for a new believer not just for the mature their souls look at the word again the souls shall be a well watered garden and they shall sorrow no more at all these are like blanket statements for you when your soul is fully satisfied you will not sorrow again okay let's look at the next verse then the virgin shall rejoice in the dance young men and the old together for i will turn their mourning to joy will comfort them and i'll make them rejoice rather than uh, sorrow look at verse 14 underline that in your bible it says i will satiate the soul of the priest with what abundance see the soul can only be satisfied with abundance he said i will do it and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness got it so again look at the concept you you cannot be satisfied apart from your, your soul can never be satisfied apart from being abundant supply of his goodness which is what the lord has giving you okay let's look at ecclesiastics and we had covered that in last last chap last message but i just want you to highlight some key words and we'll we'll, we'll move on ecclesiastics chapter uh 6 verses 3 so it says if a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his life years are many but his soul is not satisfied with goodness or in or indeed he has no burial i say a still child is better than he for it comes in vanity and departs in darkness and its name is covered in darkness though it has not seen the sun or known anything it has more rest than that man that means if a soul if you have not had if your soul is not satisfied he said it's as good as not being born in the world wow so how, so how do you do that how do you, how do you, how can your soul be satisfied how can your soul be satisfied okay here is the key i want you to go to Proverbs chapter 13. So I want everyone to open to Proverbs chapter 13. We'll we'll talk about something something very interesting today. So last time we studied we understood the fact that our soul can only be satisfied with abundance and this abundance is only available in the new covenant. It's only available because of what Jesus did and now you are expecting that abundance on a daily basis. Done. Acceptable. Gone. Let's now move on how do I receive practically this abundance? Right? That's the question. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 13. Let's read Proverbs chapter 13 verse 1. Let's look at the first first verse. I'm going to pull this out in my Bible. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You know he's saying he's telling listen to what I'm telling you. Look at the next verse. 
a man shall eat by the fruit of his mouth. Wow, now you're getting the key. You can only feed on this abundance by the fruit of your mouth. Let me ask you a question. What is the fruit of your mouth? Words. The words that, the words that come out of your mouth is the fruit of your mouth. You got it? It's called a fruit. So you, a man can, shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. This is God's word. He's saying you can only eat. Remember what he said at the beginning of the year. Before we knew where, what, whether it was COVID and all these things. We said what you declare with your mouth will come to pass. And remember that the Lord had given uh, me that dream. And I shared that, uh, well, I think, too, in April life team. No, in April life team, right? I think we shared them, and the, uh, the dream was very clear. At that point of time, the Lord said, this crisis, this economic downturn will completely reverse faster and will come back right away. At that point of time, the stock market was down. Guess what? The stock market, everything is now higher than the pre-crisis period and happened in the fastest recovery in the history of United States. Now, if you knew that, and the Lord had already told us that time, right? So, which, which, which is what I did. So, even though I was not, I was, I was looking at my investment and I was like panicking, kind of, in my soul realm, right? I'm looking at the stocks going down, going down. The Lord was saying, hey, I've already shown you what's going to happen, correct? It's going to recover fast. So, God said, buy now more, buy now more, you know? So, he's like, so, so you, you, you have to hear words, you have to believe and declare, and you can eat the fruit of it. And that's exactly what happened. So now the stock market, everything has gone back up. So it's going to happen always for the believer. For the believer, we do not partake of their tribulations. We don't partake of that. We partake of what the word of God says and what word comes out of our mouth. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's look at this verse. So, a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth... But look at that. But the soul of the unfaithful. How does he define the unfaithful here? Feeds on violence. So when he says he contrasts a guy, a righteous man, who eats by what he speaks, and he contrasts that with an unfaithful, that means an unrighteous man, he feeds on violence because he's also feeding. But he's feeding also with words of his mouth. But he's declaring words of fear and unbelief and darkness and violence. So he's feeding on that. But you are feeding on the words of God's words. You see the contrast? Both have to feed. The righteous man feeds by the fruit of his mouth. The unrighteous man also feeds by the fruit of his mouth. But what kind of fruit? What kind of words? So that's the key. You can, your soul can only be satisfied by what you speak out of your mouth. You get it? So stay track with me on uh, Proverbs chapter 13. Okay, let's read the next verse. Look at the next verse. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Same question. What are you confessing during this time? What are you speaking? Guard your mouth. Put the words that God has prophesied over your life during the season. You don't care about what the media is saying. You don't care what your boss is saying. You don't care what your relatives are saying. You don't care what your friends are saying. It doesn't matter. 
because I am going to eat by what the words the Lord has shown me to me. And I'm going to eat it by putting it in my mouth. You got it? Because that's the only way you can, your soul is going to be satisfied. Your soul is going to be satisfied. This is God's word by the words of your mouth. Amen? Okay, let's read. Let's read uh, verse 23 in Proverbs chapter 13. Twenty-three. Look at look at this verse. I know that the, the whole chapter is very powerful with the context of words of your mouth. Remember to read that chapter, Proverbs chapter thirteen. Remember the instruction of the whole chapter is about what kind of words are in your mouth. If you put the right words, you will eat great all the abundance that God has promised you for your soul. Last life team we talked about that the abundance for your soul, the goodness of God. But guess what? You you have to eat it. <laughs> It's available. It's like a flowing stream. But you have to, it's like you go into this, you know, the once I had gone to, I've been to Vegas only once uh, and we had gone for a seminar. So I've never been to Vegas before. So I go, so we went into this hotel. Man, the amount of food. It's like a buffet. I mean, like, what do you eat? They have, they have like lines of food. I mean, so it, it looks great. But I came out of that place hungry. You know why? Because I didn't eat. <laughs> I mean, all the supply is available, but I never ate any of this bu uh, the buffet. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't eat it. So everything looked great. Everything looked very enticing. The smells were all good, but I never ate of it. Because for me to eat, I have to partake it with my mouth. So the same case with this. So... So, okay, let's look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 23. It says, much food. Say much food. Much food. That means there is no shortage of supply. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. Now, <laughs> this is very interesting. It contrasts two situations. It contrasts two states. There's a guy, he has been de declared as rich or poor in this verse. Poor. Poor. But his ground has what? Food. Much food. Say much food. much food. Much food. That's your state. There is much food in your ground. But for lack of justice, there is waste. See, every person in this world has access to the goodness of God. But the question is what? Has the price been paid for it? For a believer... Let me ask you a question. Has justice been met? Yes. Jesus has paid the price. Correct? So for you, there is no reason not to access this much food. But for the, for, for the world, they, have, they also have the prosperity. They also have the victory. They also have all the supply. They have all the goodness. But for them, there is no justice. They cannot access it. Because for them, Christ has not paid the price. Though Christ has paid the price, they have not received it. So there is lack of justice. So therefore, there is waste. So they have a lot of the goodness that is available. The world's goodness, all the gold of the world, the silver of the world is available for everybody. But it is only available after the price has been paid. 
Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The moment he said it's finished, justice was met. So now you can access it, right? Now, but there is no waste. So, so the only reason there is poor in this world is because they have not accepted the, the transaction on the cross, which, which says very clearly in the word of God, for your, your sakes, the Lord Jesus became poor so that through his poverty, you can become rich. You see the difference? So now Jesus did become poor on the cross. He, I mean, the, how would you define poverty for a man? Would that be a man who does not have a house? Yes. What about a guy who does not have food? Yes. How about a guy who does not have any clothes? Yes. How about a guy who does not even have his undergarments? That would be ultimate poverty. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ hung for you on the cross, where he became completely divested of all his material possessions. That price was paid. For lack of justice, there is waste. Now there is no reason for waste. There should be no reason for us to not being able to access this goodness that God has promised for you. It cannot be, oh, you had all this supply. Guess what? Now we have to throw it because you did not receive it. But it should never happen. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 24. Twenty-five. Okay, let's look at twenty-four. I know we've read this verse with the context of parenting, but this is not about parenting. <laughs> this is about correcting you to be able to eat sufficiently. <laughs> Remember the context of the whole chapter of Proverbs thirteen is how do you eat? So Lord is telling, let me correct you. Let me correct you. If I don't correct you. There will be a lot of waste of food in your house. There is supply, there is wealth, there is prosperity, there is victory, but you are not able to access it. So I am telling you, let me correct you. So the Lord says, he who spares the rod hates his son. So Lord, this is God saying, if I don't correct you, that means I hate you. <laughs> so how does the Lord correct? By speaking. By speaking. Which is what he did. So he spends a whole chapter. See, remember he started off the chapter by saying, a wise son. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. Let's go back there. Because I want you to get this context of this. Look at this verse. What does it say here? It's on the screen. A wise son heeds his father's instruction. Remember what he's saying. So he's getting ready to tell you, I am telling you something. Listen to what I'm telling you. You will eat of what comes out of your mouth. This is serious business. If you don't eat it, there is going to be a lot of waste. That means, that means you would walk away from jobs that rightfully belong to you because you confess unbelief. You will walk away from relationships that should have been fruitful for you because you judged it as being not being fruitful. You will walk away from great increase because you declared that that doesn't belong to me because I'm too humble. <laughs> so what comes out of your mouth, you will live off it. And this is what the Lord's saying. I'm telling you, if you listen to what I'm telling you, you will eat of it. Do you get the context? 
let's go back to the last chapter, last verse. So, so he who spares the rod, this is how God corrects. God doesn't correct by hitting you. The Lord corrects by words. He, he corrects by washing of your feet. You got it? Okay, let's look at the next verse. So he repeats this. He tells you, this is what I'm doing, but he who loves and disciplines him promptly. That means I correct you right away, which is what God is doing right now. He's correcting us. He's saying, guys, brothers and sisters, what are you confessing? What words are you putting in your mouth? Like the, word, like the world is putting the mouth. What are you doing? There is no justice for the world, but there is, I've already paid the price. So what kind of words are you putting in your mouth? It's, it's the middle of the year. Do you want to see great increase in the rest of the year? Do you want to see the abundance that I've promised you in the latter glory? He says the gold of this latter temple will be greater than the former. So everything is going to be greater. Everything is going to be abundant. Everything is going to be oversupplied. But God, what are you speaking? Stop speaking the, like the world's language. Stop speaking it. Put the words in your mouth. Okay. Look at this. This is how the word, the chapter concludes. Let's look at verse 25. The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul. Begin the word soul. But the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. Let me ask you a question. How does this chapter define the wicked? He feeds on violence. He speaks the words that the world is speaking. He is speaking, he is, he is, the, 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 the wicked is the one who denies the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, the stomach of the wicked shall be in one, but the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul. And how does the righteous eat? Let's go back to the first chapter, uh, second verse. A man shall eat by the fruit of of his mouth. That sounds very poetic language. Let's break it down. A man shall eat by the by the words of his mouth. Man shall eat by the words of his mouth. What word? The words of abundance, of supply that the Lord has given to you in Christ Jesus by declaring that word. Okay? Okay. Now let's go to this is just the foundation. We're just getting started out here. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55. Now here is the Lord Jesus standing in the Old Testament prophetically and telling this. Now we know that we are supposed to eat words. Correct? So we are supposed to eat words. Now let's look at whose words should we eat to get this supply. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1. Okay. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. This, this, uh, interesting that this chapter starts by saying, Ho! <laughs> it's, like very, it's called the Ho chapter. So if you want to remember this chapter, you'll never forget. Isaiah 55, the Ho chapter. Ho! He's like almost speaking loud. You know, Jesus used... He actually shows up in the temple and says the same chapter uh, in the temple. I will show it to you. This is amazing because this is exactly what Jesus was going to do. 
And Jesus does it. He says the same thing. So now you know that who is this speaking in Isaiah chapter 55? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll show it to you. Just hang on. Isaiah 55 verse 1. It says, everyone, ho! That means he's crying out. I don't want to scream through the Zoom because it'll echo through all your speakers. <laughs> but it's like, ho! Ho! He's like, he's screaming out. He's saying, ho! Everyone who thirsts, you who have no money, come buy and eat. How do you buy something without money? We'll cover it later. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Let's look at the next verse. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and, and your wages for what does not satisfy? You can see, look at the word satisfy. Your soul cannot be satisfied by anything that you can purchase. It can only be satisfied by something that comes from this person who's crying out. Look at the next verse. Look at this verse. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Wow. How many witnesses do you need from the word of God which says that if you are obedient to eat words, your soul will have abundance. That's it. If you are careful to hear what I'm just telling right now, this is what the Lord is telling. If you listen to this, so let, let, let's look at the next verse. Incline your ear and come to me and hear and your soul shall live. Wow. So let's look at it. Let's look at... Now let's see the fulfillment of this verse in, in, in the book of John. Let's go to John chapter 7. Everybody there at John chapter 7? John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Starts by saying, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. So what's happening is at this point of time in his ministry, Jesus has been preaching the good news all over Israel. But in Judea, the people did not receive this message, this good news, this good news of abundance, this good news of victory, this good news of eternal life. They did not receive these words. So I want you to remember, focus on the thing, words. Can you repeat after me? Words. Words. Words, words. words matter. Words matter. Correct. So, so he's preaching these words all across Israel. But Judea refuses to receive these words. So what he does, he says he will not, he doesn't, he goes to Galilee because they receive his words. So after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee for he did not walk in Judea because Jews sought to kill him. Okay. So I want you to go to uh, next verse. It says, now the Jews feast of tabernacles was at hand. So every, uh, the Jewish feast there were three feasts that every Jewish male had to be in Jerusalem. Even though Jesus didn't want to go to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is in Judea, he had to go for this feast because this was ordained under the law that for the Passover, for the tabernacles, and for which one? Sushil, 
which was the third one? Pentecost. So for three feasts, you had to be in Jerusalem. Remember in Pentecost, therefore the people, the believers came from all over. Israel came to Jerusalem. So Passover, they all came. And tabernacles, they all had to come. So Jesus, even though he didn't want to go to Judea, didn't want to go to Jerusalem, he had to go to Je tabernacles because he was an obedient Jew. Right? So look at what he says. But And now the Jews' feast of tabernacles what was at hand. His brothers said to him, depart from here and go into Judea. Now he's telling in Galilee. And your disciples may see the works that you're doing. But Jesus says in verse 7, 6, my time has not yet come, but your time is al already ready. Verse 8, you go up to the feast. I am not going to this feast for my time has not yet come. Wow. So is Jesus going to break the law here? He doesn't want to go to Judea, but there is the Feast of the Tabernacles. So, but now he has to go. So he says, I'm not going to go right now. So what? Next verse. While he said these things, he remained in Galilee. Next verse. But when his brothers had gone up, he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. So he did go to the feast. He, didn't, he waited till his brothers left. He went there because he still had to go and be part of the feast. Look at this verse that I want to show you. Verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Look at the previous verse. On the last day, John chapter 7 verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. What was he crying out? He was crying out Isaiah chapter 55. Ho! The same word, the cry. He's saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come. I'm sure he said everything else. That was in Isaiah chapter 55. He said, come and drink without price, without money. Come and buy and drink. Wow. Wow. But look at the next verse. Verse Isaiah chapter 6 uh, verse Let's go to Isaiah chapter 7 7 Okay, 7 verse 46. So when they heard these words that Jesus spoke, the, 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 the officers and the chief priests and the Pharisees were very angry. Isaiah chapter 45. And then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to him, why have you not brought him? They said, go and arrest him because he is speaking words. He is making this Statements like, whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink from me. So Jesus is standing in the temple in Jerusalem and has the audacity to speak words like that. So the, 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 the Pharisees and the chief priests, they are absolutely offended. And they say, let's go and arrest him. So they send officers to arrest him. So when the office, 
then the officers came to the chief priest and the Pharisees and they said to him, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. Say, no man, no man. Ever, ever spoke like this man. John chapter 7 verse 46, underline that. No man ever spoke words like this man. So there was something very different that's happened right now. Words have been spoken on the earth by somebody with great authority. Remember Proverbs chapter 13 says, a man shall eat words and be satisfied. This is the words that you're supposed to eat. Words of the Lord Jesus standing as a man in the temple and, say, and speaking words. And if you eat these words, your abundance will show up. See, no man, even the officers who were sent to arrest Jesus, they couldn't. They're like, man, no man has ever spoken like this man. So look at the verse 47. Then the Pharisees answered them and said, are you also deceived? That means they didn't believe these words. But these officers who listened to Jesus, they believed it. Then the next verse, has any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? So your response to the words of Jesus is only two. Either you believe his words or you do not. Either you believe his words or you do not. Okay. Let's go to John chapter 8. Speaking of words, do you, uh, can I hear this from you? Do you believe that this words that Jesus spoke is really incredible? A man standing in the temple telling, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. And if he drinks, out of you shall fall, flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit will come out of you if you drink of me. Correct? Are these audacious words, yes or no? Incredible words, correct? So, okay, let's go to... Another incredible, some of the incredible words that Jesus is speaking. John chapter 8, verse 11. John chapter 8, verse 11. Remember this adulterous woman, uh, the woman who was caught in adultery that was brought to Jesus. For, and the, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers, they brought, and the scribes brought him and they wanted Jesus to condemn him because he, she broke the law, which was correct. She broke the law. Right? I'm sure there were two people to break the law. The one who committed adultery, both of them. Only one was out here. So they broke the law. So they say, let's condemn him. Let's, let's condemn him according to the law. This is what Satan does. And we studied that in last life in our message. which says, Satan uses the law to accuse you and keep you from this abundance that God has promised. Correct? So, so here is a classic case. He's saying, hey, this woman has to be condemned. She cannot receive any good from God. Because she's broken the law. So Jesus asked this question in verse 10. John chapter 8 verse 10. When Jesus has raised himself up and saw no one. And we know the story. But the woman. She said to him. Woman where are those accusers of yours? Because he's, he told. He who uh, is without sin cast the first stone. So there was nobody left at the end of it. Because everybody was feeling condemned. So it's not like she was spared. That she did not was not without sin. But he's saying, he who is without sin, let him have the authority to uh, kill her. 
So it's not like she's free from death. She's still also under the same condemnation. Correct? But, but then Jesus raised him up and raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. She said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to him, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then he gets ready to make a statement. Look at verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them. That means he's now speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees say, in verse 13, The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. We don't care for your words. You don't, you don't care what, what you're speaking, because you're speaking of yourself. Jesus says, I answer, Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I'm coming from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I'm coming from and where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. The implication is, I do not judge according to the flesh. Let me, ask, let me tell you this very powerful, powerful statement that Jesus makes. He says, every man judges according to the flesh. Means what? Every man judges by what they see. I don't judge by what I see. You'll say, but Anil, that doesn't make sense. That is true. Jesus, even though he was God, he was on the earth as a man, he, he didn't depend on his natural faculties to make judgments. He didn't depend on his natural eyes, even though his eyes were completely pure. His ears were completely pure. But yet he didn't judge by what he saw. He didn't judge by what he heard. That means he didn't depend on his flesh to receive the incredible victories that he did as an anointed man. Anil, but where is the verse for that? Okay, let's go and find the verse. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Has everybody got Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1? Okay. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Do you agree? No. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, prophesying the genealogy by which Jesus would come into the world. Jesse is uh, David's father. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Here is the seven spirits of God. Remember in Revelation, it shows up the seven spirits of God before the lampstand. The seven spirits are here. If you count it, you can look at it. The spirit of the Lord, number one. The spirit of wisdom, number two. The spirit of understanding, number three. The spirit of counsel, number four. The spirit of might, number five. The spirit of knowledge, number six. The fear of the Lord's, number seven. See, the Holy Spirit that is upon you is the seven manifestations of that one spirit. So when you receive the spirit of God, you receive this full package. Say, I received this full package. This full package, I agree. The spirit of the Lord is not. So the same spirit, the sevenfold manifestation of the spirit of God rest upon Jesus. When did it rest upon Jesus? When he was 
at the baptism. At the age of 30, when he went down and got baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit of the Lord, the sevenfold Spirit of the Lord rested upon him. Now, until that time, let me ask you a question. Did he do any miracle? No. Did he heal anybody? Was he God in the flesh? Yes. But did he use any of his godly abilities to do this? Because he had to get rid, means divest himself from everything because you can, cannot come into this world. Job says, naked I've come into the world. He, you cannot bring anything into the world. God had to pay a big price to come into this world. He had to divest his authority and to live as a man. Then only he has authority on the earth. So he had to divest it and come. So when he divested everything, he humbled himself completely and became a man. So now he is as powerless as anybody, but righteous, but powerless, but until the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So now look at what happened after the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Let's look at verse 3. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Was that one of the Spirit of the Lord? Yes. yes. So now he's operating under the Spirit. Yes or no? Yes. Because now he's operating. What is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So now he's now received wisdom from the Lord when the Spirit came upon him. That wisdom is now causing the Lord Jesus to fear the Father in a good way, to honor the Father, look on to Him. Got it? So the fear, so the His delight is now in the fear of the Lord. He's now, He's just enjoying fearing the Lord. Not in a negative sense. I hope you understand. In a positive sense. I want to do what pleases my Father. That fear. You got it? Okay, let's look at it. He shall not judge by the sight of His eyes, nor decide by the hearing of His ears. Did you know it is? that's how it is written? He says, now he is, after the Spirit of the Lord came upon the Lord Jesus, he refused to be moved by what he sees and by what he hears. So he could, he could, he could, he saw this 5,000 multitude of men with children, maybe another 5,000, uh, sorry, yeah, 10,000. And wives, another 5,000. So about close to easily 15,000 multitude. And he says to Philip, where shall we have bread to feed them? So let me ask you a question. Is he looking at his eyes for the miracle? No. No. He's not going to judge by the sight of his eyes. His eyes are telling that there is 15,000 people and his eyes are also telling there are how many bread? Five. And how many fish? Two. Two. So is he going to make a determination by what he sees? No. no. Because what is upon him right now? The spirit of the Lord. Okay, that's done. But what else? No. Wisdom and understanding. Because now he's saying, I don't see it with my eyes, but I believe I have it. Wow, miracle happens suddenly. And then what he does, 
So he takes the five loaves and two fishes and what does he do? He, it, the Bible says very clearly, the place where he gave thanks. Did you see that verse? Because the Bible, see the Bible when he records this incident later, they said that was the place where Jesus gave thanks. Wow, why would the Holy Spirit mark that as the act rather than the place where he broke bread and multiplied and gave to 5,000? Wouldn't that be a greater credibility than to say that was the place where Jesus gave thanks? Because that is what is valued by the Spirit of God is when you refuse to be judged by what you see and what you hear, but he gave thanks. That's what, So is he seeing a miracle when he's giving thanks? No. no. He's not seeing anything. So he's not judging by what he sees or not. So this is where you are in 2020 right now. You are not going to judge by what you see. You're not going to judge by what you hear because the same spirit that was upon the Lord Jesus is upon you. So what are you going to do in August of 2020? Give thanks. Make this the valley of Baraka. Baraka means, Barak means blessing. Yah means Lord. Thank the Lord for the great increase that you have already received. You are not going to judge by the looking by your ears. It's, but, but, but your boss will say, but Anil, there is no business. Um, uh, so what are you going to say? No, thank you. Thank you for your help. <laughs> so thank you for that suggestion. Thank you for that help. Right? Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm good out here. I'm good in this place. I'm good in this place of thanksgiving. So when people come and tell you otherwise, you can say, oh, thank you. Thank you for your help. I'm good in this place of belief. I'm good in this place where evidence that cannot be seen. I like this place. I like this place where there's evidences that cannot be seen. What, because why believe when what things can be seen? Blessed is the one who has not seen but yet believed. I like this place. I like this place of blessing. Amen? Do you see the power out here? Do you see the power? You shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, not decide by the hearing of his ears. He's not going to decide. So how is he going to decide? But with righteousness, he shall judge. That means by the righteousness that you have, you will also judge. You don't care what you're seeing, but you're going to say, I am the righteous of the Lord. I judge that I am complete. Okay, let's go back to John chapter 8. Verse 26, I have many things to say to you and judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. So Jesus says, I do not even use my words to speak to you. I only speak. Like Jesus had a lot of good things to talk about the scribes and the Pharisees. He's like, I, I have some choice words for you, but I'm not going to use it. Because why is he not going to use it? That he's already done. Now he's saying what? I have many things to say to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the words 
those things which I've heard from him. So again, look at the look at this, look at look at this, uh, look at this implication. Uh, so, Manor, yeah, sorry, Manor, yeah, speaker was echoing. Uh, so look at it. So Jesus has words in his mouth to speak concerning the scribes and the Pharisees, correct? But he says, I will not put those words in my mouth. I'm only going to put, even though my words about you are accurate, they are true, but I am not going to put those words in my mouth. I'm going to only put the words that I've heard from my father. See, again, look at the principle because the spirit of wisdom is operating on him. He is not going to put words that what he wants to speak. He's going to put words what the father has spoken to him. So he, even Jesus had a choice about the words that was on his mouth. Do you believe that the words that he has about the Pharisees and the scribes and all the people are, are, are true? Yes. But he says, I'm not going to even put those words on my mouth. I'm going to put only the words that the father has, I've heard from my father. So this is what our principle is. That what words are you going to put? You, the words that you have in your mouth may be absolutely accurate. It might be reflecting of the real situation that you see. But it doesn't matter. Do you want to eat and be satisfied? Yes. I would put the words that the father is speaking to me on my mouth. Not my own opinion about the situation. You see, Jesus was operating in that principle. Okay, let's look at... Uh, John chapter 6, verse 28. So finally, John chapter 6, the people get the message. John chapter 6, verse 28. Okay. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So they finally say, okay, what do we do? What do we do? So Jesus answers very clearly in verse 29. Jesus answered and said to him, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Believe. Okay. Let's go to John chapter 6. So let, this was the second big word that he said, I am the light of the world. Now let's go to John chapter 6 verse 35. Jesus makes a statement. Jesus said... Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. I say to you, you have seen me yet do not believe. All that the father gives me will come to you and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of God who sent me that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise him up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who hears, sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up on the last day. Then the Jews complained about him and he said, because he said, I am the bread that comes from heaven. Wow. So Jesus is making this crazy claim. He's saying, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. This is a very audacious claim. If it is not true, it would be blasphemy. But so the Jews complain. So look at verse 42. And they say, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, 
whose father and mother we know. How is it then he says, I have come down from heaven? Let me ask you a question. Now think about it. What was the problem here? Why did they, was the words that Jesus said good? Let's look at this word. He says, this is the will of God who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Is this a good word? It's a very good word. It's a very, very good word. Okay, so what was the problem? Why did they not believe this word? What is the problem here? They are seeing him as a son of a carpenter in Nazareth. So the package is deceiving them. So, okay, let's keep going. Okay, let's go to verse 60. Therefore, Okay, verse 59. I want you to look at verse 59. Where did Jesus say this statement, I am the bread of life? So he, he goes, he doesn't do this in a secret place, in somebody's house, privately to his disciples. He makes this claim, he makes it in the synagogue. So he's not hiding this fact. He's proclaiming proclaiming. Procl claiming it very openly. He's saying, I am the bread of life. Look at what he says in the previous verse. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna or are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Wow, he's, he's telling, I am, I am better than the manna that your fathers ate. They ate and they died. But if you eat me, you will live forever. And he says this not secretly to a cult, like a small group. He says this in the synagogue. Look at verse 60. Therefore, why? Therefore, why? Let me ask you a question. Why? Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Why was that a hard saying? They were looking at him with their eyes. Their words were very good. Because he's saying, he who, if somebody tells you, if I can give you a special diet, George, if I can give you this diet, you will never die. Is that good news for Annie or not? Yeah. <laughs> it's good news, I like it. <laughs> I'm just checking, I'm just checking, okay? <laughs> okay. It, it's good news. If somebody tells you, yeah, I've got, got this bread. If you eat this bread, you will live forever. I mean, I mean there'll be, the, the whole city will be at my door. The whole city will be at my door. But yet, the disciples say, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Let me submit. It was not a hard saying, and it was not difficult to understand. Why was it a hard saying? And why was it difficult to understand? Just like what Sushil was saying, because they are... What's going on here? They are hearing with their ears, but they are? But they are judging with their eyes. What happened? 
बिकॉज ऑफ दैट दे आर नॉट एबल टू ईट जीजस और ईट हिज वर्ड्स बिकॉज रिमेम्बर प्रोवर्ब्स चैप्टर थर्टीन कैनॉट नाउ गेट फुलफिल बिकॉज यू कैनॉट ईट हिम अनलेस यू बिलीव हिम you cannot eat him unless you believe him but you, you are you are you are not believing him because you are your eyes are deceiving you your eyes are seeing a carpenter of nazareth okay look at the next verse this is so powerful when jesus knew in himself that is they did not even complain to him directly they were talking among themselves when jesus knew in them himself that his disciples complained about this he said to them does this offend you what offending you these words correct verse 62 what then he hits the nail directly jesus says what then if you see the son of man ascend where it was before he leaves this question okay okay i know you're not believing my words what if you see me ascend to the place that i came from so what is jesus asking will you believe then will you see me so if i are now suddenly transformed into what i look like when i'm exalted at the father's right hand where i'm always been i'm right now also even when i'm speaking i am there how is jesus there right now in heaven because he is at the father's right hand correct he is exalted remember when i i give this example which is very true when the queen of england travels to dallas is she still on the throne in london yes yeah or does she have to carry her throne <laughs> to dallas <laughs> have you have you ever seen queen elizabeth wear that crown uh it is for the opening of the parliament every it's a ceremonial you, you watch it every every year when the british parliament opens the queen has to come and she has to wear this crown it is such a heavy crown so she doesn't wear it all throughout the time it's only for a short time because it's so heavy she cannot even carry her own crown how much more her throne you know <laughs> but it's the authority so when she travels she still is on the throne so jesus was always at the father's right hand so when he is speaking this he is already at the father's right hand he's always been exalted but he has an assignment here on the earth his authority is not diminished so he says what if you see me ascend to where i was from so what is he saying what is jesus saying is you are going by your eyes to believe my words what if you see me will you then believe so what's the answer yes you know that is the trick you know you think if jesus was transfigured before them that very time do you think they would believe okay i want you to go to okay do you remember remember the rich man and lazarus and the rich man uh, went was went into hades correct i want you to go to that which which is this yeah, somebody from the dead rises okay let's go to luke chapter 
so, so we know the story of the, this is the actual incident that happened. A rich man went into hell and there was a poor man who was laid at his gate and he was a righteous man and he went into Abraham's bosom. And, at, and in, the, in Hades, the rich man lifts up his eyes and he says, send Lazarus to uh, dip his finger in a drop of water, dip his finger. Okay, look at verse 16, verse 24. And then he cried out saying, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. You see a lot of feelings out here? Because he lived by feelings on the earth. So he is going to be tormented by feelings all throughout eternity. He's dependent on what he sees, what he feels, what he touches, what he does. So that's flesh. That's flesh. So you will never escape flesh if you are held captive by it right now. As a believer, we are not held captive by flesh. But if you are held captive by flesh and not accepted Jesus, you will be trapped by flesh for eternity. For eternity, you want somebody to soothe your tongue. Eternity, you want somebody to touch you. Eternity, you want somebody to comfort you because of flame. It's all feelings. You, you, are, you live by feelings on the earth. You will live forever tormented by feelings. You see the curse? Okay. So, Abraham said, Son, in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things. Now he's comforted and you're tormented. But besides this, there is between you and us a great gulf so that those who want to pass, not even that there is a willingness on some people in heaven to willing to go to hell to rescue their relatives, but says they cannot so then Lazarus changes his prayer. Sorry, the rich man changes his prayer. Then he said, I beg you therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that, they may that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Then Abraham said to them, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. So what do you hear? You hear what? Words. But then what he says? No father, that's, that's, that's an indication. <laughs> no father, Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. That means, what does he want to happen? They want, he wants his people to see something. They wa he wants his relatives because their relatives are living just like he lived. They are depending on their eyesight. So he says, send them something that they can see. So Abraham said, if they do not hear, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. That means the implication is they will not believe even though they see. So you see the difference. So let's go back to John chapter 6. So he says, verse 62. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Then Jesus makes this statement. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. That means what you see and what you hear is not going to profit you. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, they are life. Verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. So Jesus is saying, what 
makes it effective. What is critical is what you believe, what I'm speaking, not what you're seeing. You're seeing a Jewish man, a son of a carpenter, speaking audacious words to you. But I want you to believe these words because if you believe it, you will be blessed and you will live by it. But what, what he says in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Many of them walked with him no more. I want you to look at this example and the Lord was reminding me, this is a beautiful picture of the importance of the Lord Jesus Christ's words for you and me. So Jesus is saying to the disciples of, who went away, he said, you do not believe my words. You want to see me exalted and sitting as God. But even if I give you that, you will not believe because words are important. You know, I was listening to Keith Moore the other day at Southwest Believers Conference, which just happened. I, by the way, the Southwest Believers Conference is actually all the... Uh, it's all uploaded and its podcasts are available. You go to kcm.org. You can even events on demand. You can actually hear it. Very powerful. In fact, Bill Johnson from Bethel uh, uh, Music, the pastor, he spoke very powerful message. You should listen to it. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, he talks about the spirit of God again, the spirit of wisdom and counsel, and how Jesus operated, and then how we are supposed to operate. Very powerful. But Keith Moore, I was listening to him, and he said. It doesn't say in John chapter 1, in beginning was the video. And the video was with God. <laughs> you know, can you imagine if God had to send his son to the earth, why would he not send his son when video was already invented? Everybody could see his raising up the dead, Lazarus. Everybody could see him, Jesus, doing the miracles. Everybody could see Jesus rising from the dead. Why would he not do it when there was video? Think about it. Because God says he wants words to live by, not a video to see. You got it? Words are important, brothers and sisters. Words, what words? You have to eat the words of Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of Remember when in one of the temptations of Jesus, when the, in fact, the first temptation. So Jesus was also tested in this very same area. Remember, he had his natural eyes and he had his natural ears. And Satan was always testing him to say, use your natural facilities, faculties and judge. Use your eyes and judge. So he is in a wilderness. There is no food. So what is his eyes seeing? Jesus' eyes, what is he seeing? No food. But Jesus' eyes can see stones. So Satan says, look at these stones. Because he's a natural devil. He's a flesh devil. He can only operate by what he sees. So he says, turn these stones into bread, what you can see. So again, he's trying to test him, saying, will you live by what you see? And we, we talked about it in one of the life team messages. He said, he's testing him. So what did Jesus answer to that temptation? He's saying, why don't you look with your eyes that you see stones right now. You don't see bread, you see stones. Why don't you convert the bread into uh, stones, into bread that you can see? So he's trying to say, you can only believe when you 
see the bread. So why don't you convert the seen stones into seen bread? Okay, this is the missing thing in the temptation. The word seen is missing, but it is implied. So convert the seen stones into seen bread that you can then partake. Let me ask you a question. Can Jesus only partake of seen bread? No, he just multiplied five loaves and two fishes into 5,000 and unseen bread. He ate, he gave thanks for an unseen bread. Did he not? Did unseen bread feed them? They did. Because when they operated and it broke, it multiplied. Because it was, because he gave thanks. The word spoken manifested. When you give thanks for words that have been spoken to you and you believe it, those words manifest supernaturally. The words were framed with words. That means the situation in your life is bad right now, but you don't care because your words, when you believe the words of Jesus, will now manifest it into existence. But you have to give thanks in advance. You got the picture? So, Satan is saying, why don't you turn the seen stones into seen bread? And Jesus replies, he says what? Man shall not live by the seen bread, but by the word that is spoken, every word spoken by the mouth of God. That's the implication. He's saying, can we, let me ask you a question. Can you see words? No. No. You can't see words because it's spoken. You can't see it. You can see a script, but you can't see the words. But God made everything from unseen words. Even Look at yourself. Look at your hands. These hands have been made by unseen words, but spoken. Say unseen, unseen. but spoken. There you go. So you have to stop believing this and start believing the spoken unseen words that come out of your mouth that lines up with the Lord Jesus Christ. So believe it. So you refuse to see with your eyes. Just like Jesus. I refuse to see it. Saying, I'm not going to live by that. I'm not going to live by bread alone, by things that I can see. I'm going to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you, do you hear that? So every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Okay. And uh, that actually that verse, man shall not live by bread alone, but shall live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. If you read this, this is so interesting. If you have this Bible, you should underline it. Look at the verse it says. And we have covered it in one of the messages. It says, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with the manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How it doesn't make sense. He says, I gave you manna so that you will know that you shall not live by manna. Because there is a secret. Remember he said, for six days... You shall 
eat, gather, seventh day, on the sixth day, there will be bread enough for two more days. Correct? So, was that a spoken word or a manifested word? Spoken. spoken word. So, they cannot see it. Correct? So, they are gathering bread every day. Every day. Every day. On the sixth day, look at what is Exodus chapter 16 verse 22. So, it was on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Because then, they are like, what is this? Verse 23, then he said, this is what the Lord said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, holy. Bake what you bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourself all that remains to be kept until morning. And they laid it up until morning and as Moses commanded and it did not stink. Because all other days, if they would lay up, it would stink. But on the sixth day, the same natural law... <laughs> Think about it. The same natural law that is supposed to stink up the bread on the sixth day does not stink up the bread. Why? Because of the spoken word. Of the spoken word. That means you cannot go by your learnt behavior for six days. Because the spoken word Uh, what do you supersedes supersedes the natural seen world the spoken word the same word so the bacteria that would deteriorate it every day on the sixth day the same bacteria has no power but you'll say but the natural law says that the sixth day it should stink for the next day. But see the spoken word says. The sixth day shall not stink. So guess what. On the sixth day there was no worms in it. Okay. Then verse uh, 25. Then Moses said. Eat that for today. For today is the Sabbath. Today you will not find it in the field. So what does the spoken word say. You will not find it in the field. But what does the natural law say. Every morning there will be. Same climate. Same temperature. There is manna. So, what are you expecting on the seventh day? There will be manna. Because the natural law, because your eyes have been trained for six days to see manna come on clockwork. And you go out and you buy. Uh, go and collect. So, on the six, and he says, six, six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather. <laughs> but they found none. Because the spoken word supersedes what you see. Then Moses said, then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? What law was he talking about? The word of the spoken word of God. Look at verse 28. 29 says. If you have to see. See this. So repeat after me. If I want to see. I will see. The Sabbath. Let me ask you a question. Can you see the Sabbath? No. 
Sabbath is a day, isn't it? There is nothing supernatural on a Sunday. If you, let's look at one day. That is different than the previous day. Except if it's a day where Lord says all your supply will come supernaturally. So we are living in the supernatural Sabbath in Christ Jesus forever. What is our command? See, remember he said in verse 28, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? What law is this? The law of the spoken word of rest. What rest? He clarifies it. See. See means if you're going to see anything with your eyes, see this. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. You didn't have to, you didn't earn it. He gave it to you. Therefore, what is your action? He gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let me prophesy right now. In 2020, you will receive double the abundance that you ever received in any of your greatest years of harvest up till now. You will say, but Anil, I don't see it. I don't care. The spoken word says you will receive double the harvest in this year. You say six more years, six more months are left in this year. The Lord says in this next part of the year, you will hear double the greatest harvest that you ever received until now. Say, I receive. I receive. He says, therefore, he gives to you on the sixth day bread for two days. He gives you the double harvest. The Sabbath is marked by supernatural provision. And he receives it. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. Sounds like a quarantine to me. Let like every man remain in his place, but fully supplied. Because harvest is going to come. Look at how this chapter ends pretty much. Towards the end. So the people rested on the seventh day. The Lord is calling you to rest on this day. Believe the spoken word. Spoken word. Okay. I'm going to uh, talk about a very powerful example from the Old Testament. And you will love this. This is an example of Joseph. Joseph is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph's life is marked just like by the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's so many similarities. But today we're going to talk about something that the Holy Spirit wants all of us to focus on. So everybody's... Uh, I want to see everybody. Okay, this is very powerful. Think about... Uh, listen to this. Listen to this. Very powerful. God put... Joseph in the lives of people on the earth. All that Joseph had was words. And what the people did in response to Joseph's words determined their destiny. Let me repeat this again. God put Joseph on the earth with words. And what people did in response to Joseph's words determined their destiny. So if they valued his words, they were blessed by it. If they didn't value his words, they were cursed and they, were, they, they did not partake of the goodness of God. Are you ready to see it in, 
you know, there is a word called sin, uh, Eastman color. Do <laughs> you want to see it in Eastman color? This whole picture? Let's go to Genesis chapter 37. Look at what, what he said. Genesis chapter 7. Everyone goes there. You will, this, this will reveal what happens to the way the words we treat of G, the Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 37. We won't have time to go to everything, but let's cover Joseph. Genesis chapter 37. Okay. Genesis chapter 37. Now Jacob. Now Jacob. Now look at this. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Cain. Correct? So this chapter is talking about whom? Jacob. Jacob. How do I know this? Let's look at the next verse. This is the history of Jacob. Suddenly, it starts the next line, Joseph being 17 years old, and he talks about Joseph the rest of the time. Do you know why? Your history is dependent on what you do with Joseph's words. Jacob is a picture of the church, isn't it? Because Jacob is a deceiver, but God gave him an inheritance and changed him to Israel. Got the picture? So, Jacob is a picture of of the church. But he says, your history, the the history of the church is dependent on what what you do with the words of Joseph. So, the rest of the chapter is about Joseph. Joseph, this is the history of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. What an amazing concept. So, that's how when God looks at your life, it'll be like, Thompson, this is the history of Thompson. And Jesus did great things through Thompson. Jesus did great things because Thompson believed his words. You know, so you got it? The pic- your history is what you did with the words of the Lord Jesus. Okay, let's look at this. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Verse uh, 37, verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his words. What's getting hap- What's starting to happen right now? He's speaking. He's speaking words which are... Okay. <laughs> he's, what kind of words is he speaking? you got it he's speaking words that have not yet happened he's starting to speak now joseph is starting to speak words but he's speaking words that in their natural mind with their eyes does not make any sense completely doesn't make sense and he told it to his brothers and what happened and they hated him Because just like the disciples, when Jesus was making all these claims about his words, these words were for their benefit, correct? I am the light of the world. I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Ye shall eat of me, shall never die. He's making all these words. These words are not for him. He already has eternal life. He already has the Holy Spirit. He already is blessed beyond measure. He is the richest being in the universe. He is at the Father's right hand. He is his Father's delight. 
he's come down for you, but he comes bearing words. And he's telling, come, eat this, eat this, eat this. And he says, no, 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 no. The package doesn't make any sense. What you're saying and what you look like doesn't make sense. That caused them to walk away from their eternal blessing. And that's what believers do. Now, this is very powerful. This chapter, this couple of chapters that I'm going to show you will show you how Jacob lived all his life in torment and mourning and great pain because he believed what he saw with his eyes. He didn't believe the words. So as believers, you have an option to live like Jacob. He had a name that has been given called Israel. He had an inheritance and his firstborn blessing was upon him. But he never partook the rest that God had given him because he didn't believe the words. He believed what he saw for a long period of time. Finally, he did come to a level of rest. But he lived all of his life in torment. As a believer, we, we are eternal, eternity secure. Our inheritance is secure. But for our life out here, we don't believe the words of Jesus. When he says, my soul, I will give you the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. I'll give you peace like a river. Your iniquities and sins, I will remember no more. You don't believe these words. So your soul is constantly in anguish and tormented. Okay. I think I did some preaching out here. <laughs> but, but, but let's go back to the chapter. Yeah. Then, <laughs> Genesis chapter 7, 37 verse 6. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. He gives them. He gives them. So if they don't believe the first words, what does Joseph do again? No, 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 no. He gives them more words. Okay, this is what the words he says. So there were binding sheaves in the field. There were my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed your sheaf stood all round and bowed down before you. And his brother said, should you indeed reign over us? Or should you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his? Underline that in your Bible. They hated him. Joseph for his words because he was making audacious claims about who he is. So they hated him for his words. Underline the word words. So now, now you see, Joseph is coming with words. So his first audience is whom? His brothers or his parents? Brothers. brothers. So now the brothers have to decide what to do with his words. So what do the brothers do? They reject, they don't reject him, they, they hate his words. So they reject his words, correct? They don't believe his words because they what they see with his eyes. So do you should you shall you indeed reign over us? Should you in, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So he, Joseph is talking about things to come. And he believes it. Joseph believes it. Joseph is saying these words and he say, and they don't believe it because he's the young, he's the youngest, not the youngest, youngest is Benjamin. He is just before that. He's one of, one of, one of, he's maybe, was he the second from the last? I don't know. I could not be sure. But he is the only brother of Rachel, uh, of Reb, uh, 
Rachel, correct. Uh, Benjamin was his brother and Rachel, and the others were children of Leah and um, the other uh, wives. So, verse 9, he dreamed yet another dream and he told his brothers, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, moon and the 11 stars bowed down to him. Now he's telling these words to whom? Now he tells his father. Now he's adding one. The brothers are rejecting his words. Now he's adding it to the brother, his father. Because if you believe his words, your destiny is going to change. Very important. So now he's giving the father the opportunity to believe this word. Now, the father says, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down before the earth before you? So what happened to his, uh, his father? His father and mother, did they believe his words? No. Because why? Because the package doesn't line up with the words. You see, spoken words of the reality, because they, he didn't believe. And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. So he, father kept it. Didn't believe the words, but kept it in his mind. So, then his brother went to feed his father's flock in Shechem. This is such a powerful picture. And I, I shared this with Sushil the other day. Everything in the Bible, everything is about the Lord Jesus Christ and his redemption story. This, this incident is also about the same thing. Shechem means shoulders. God always wanted Israel to live on his shoulders. So God sent, God wanted Israel. So Shechem, his, father's, his brothers went to feed his father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your uh, brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. This is like the Lord, uh, Father sending Jesus into to Israel. And, the and Jesus said, here I am. The Joseph said, here I am. And he, then he said to him, please go to see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flock and bring back word to me. Just like the father sent Jesus to the earth, to Israel and said, get back word to me. How are they doing? And he, and he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. So he expected Israel to always live between the father's shoulders. Shechem means shoulders. Where were Israel living? When he came, when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't find them in Shechem. Just like Joseph, when he came to his brothers, he didn't find them in Shechem. They're supposed to live on their father's shoulders, fed by their father. Where, they, where, where did they find them? And a man said to them, they have departed from here, for I heard that they said, let us go to Dotham. Dotham means two. Two tablets, two places. <laughs> it's like, so they are living in the land of the law when Jesus came. Not living on his shoulders. That is such a picture. So the words, the names also have meaning. So they found them in Dotham. And when they saw from far, you know what they did. They tried to, they wanted to kill him. But Reuben, Reuben said, let's not kill Joseph. So finally, let's look at this verse. This is very powerful. Then it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, verse 23, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors, and that was him. And then he took him and cast him into the pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. So they take, they, instead of killing Joseph, they put him in a tit, pit. They stripped him of his tunic, which is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, completely stripped and going into a place where there is no water, which is a place of hell. Jesus came, went into that hell. And what did they do? Verse 25. And they sat down to eat a meal. Now, you all are believers. 
What meal is this? I can't hear you. What meal is this? What is the meal that you celebrate somebody dying? Communion. 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 So what they're doing is, this is a picture of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus is in the pit. He is suffering. But what are they doing? They're eating a meal. So guess what? It's a communion thing, which is what the church is doing. We are celebrating the Lord's death. Joseph being in the pit. That's what you're doing. So what happens when you eat the communion meal? What should happen immediately? Thompson, your mic, mic is on mute. There's victory. Uh, 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 I agree there is victory, but what specific victory when you are having communion? Okay, okay. I want to give, I have to hear the word. What do you take communion for many times? For, for your healing. Because he, he was broken for your body, so you're healed in your bodies, correct? So your healing should come immediately. Look at the verse. They ate down to eat a meal. They lifted up their eyes and they, there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. What is Gilead? Gilead is the balm of Gilead, which is a picture of healing. So that's a picture. That means every time you have the communion, you lift up your eyes, healing is on the way. You see, everything is a picture. Ishmaelites coming with the balm of Gilead. Only the Holy Spirit could put that in, our, in that passage. But that's a picture. Carrying spices, balm, and myrrh. All a picture of for your body. For your body, for your broken body. So anytime you take communion, this is a picture of communion. Eat communion. So I know they, they were just having a regular meal. But the Holy Spirit is saying, this is the real picture. This is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ dying. And when you eat a meal, remembering that he is dead. He is just dead. See, when they are eating this meal, they can hear the younger brother's anguish crying out from the pit. You know, when I, when I was doing this, when I was preparing for this Bible study... When I was reading the story of Joseph, I cried so many times because it's such a picture of the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine? I don't know what is what. What do you call an elder brother in your language? You know, Sushil, what do you call an elder brother in your language? What's that? Anna. Anna. Uh, Alkesh, what do you call an elder brother in your language? Motabai. Huh? Motabai. Motabai. Uh, English we know, <laughs> I don't know whether there's an endearing word in English, but all the other vernacular languages have very endearing words for your elder brother. It's like, Anna, Anna, get me out of here, Anna, Anna. So it's like an, everybody, Joseph is crying out to his brothers while they're having their meal because it's, what, it, what it's trying, the Holy Spirit is trying to say is when you have the communion meal, let the sounds of the whipping and the scourging of the Lord Jesus be fresh in your memory. Be fresh. It's happening right down the street. It's not like something that has happened 2,000 years back. It is fresh right now. Because your sickness is fresh. 
your 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 disease is fresh so let not the devil steal away your redemption that your the suffering of jesus is fresh hallelujah don't make it put like you know it's something that has happened 2000 years it's more just theological it is something very uh, uh, you know doctrinal and therefore you don't receive the benefits of it make it appear as if it is just fresh he's just in the pit he's suffering right now so make it though the work is finished but you receive it as a fresh communion so the lord just wanted me to tell this though it is not that's not part of the message but for you to know when you take communion take it fresh like when you eat the passover in, on the night of the passover eat it fresh don't keep it for the morning finish it that day same day night okay so juda juda said let's not kill him we know the story and then finally they sell uh, joseph to the midianites to the ishmaelites so reuben reuben is the only one who told not to kill him you know the meaning of the word reuben means what ru means eyes ben means son see the son <laughs> so so reuben is the only one who saw the son reuben was the only one who saw the lord jesus in joseph makes sense in that sense so he is the one see the son that means the lord the lord says lord wants all of us to be reuben ru means eyes ben means son see the son see the son so he is the only one don't kill him and so when he returned joseph was not in the pit and he tore his clothes because he is the only one who saw jesus alive he is the only one who saw joseph alive he never saw joseph big sold see that's a picture of the church we always see jesus risen and exalted at the father's right hand okay and he returned to his brothers and he said the lad is no more and what shall i do so he took the joseph's tunic killed a, a kid of goats and dipped it in the blood and they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to his father and said we have found this do you know whether this is your father's son's tunic or not so so uh, track with me very closely out here so his father didn't believe the words of joseph yes or no correct so what does the enemy present to the father he he didn't believe words so he now he gets an evidence of sight so he gets a robe colored with blood and he brings it so now he has to make a decision what is he going to make a decision so he doesn't believe the words but is he going to believe this tunic that is dipped in blood what is your what do you think he does he believes it you see because he is now he has decided that i don't believe the words but i am going to go by what i see and what does so what is the so what is the tuning dipped in blood telling uh, jacob what is it telling him that his son is dead but is that the truth no but is what he is seeing accurate no is what he is seeing accurate yes he is seeing a tunic with blood but the conclusion is wrong yes or no so his eyes is faithfully rendering the picture correct 
but the inference is wrong. And that inference is going to mess his life for long period. You, you see the power of your eyes and your words? Okay, look at what he says in the next verse. Look at how confident it is. And he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has, has devoured him. He makes emphatic truth statements, which are not true. Without doubt. <laughs> so without doubt is a word, it's a faith word in the Bible. So he says, I have great faith. Joseph is torn to pieces. Let me ask you a question, brothers and sisters. Does Jacob have faith? He has great faith. He has great faith in his eyes. He has great faith. He, look at his words. It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him without doubt. That means I have great faith. Joseph is torn to pieces. Look at the next verse. Then Joseph, Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth on his waist and mourned his son for many days, for years together. Then verse 35. All his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. See, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a resurrection of comfort. That is why even when Jesus was on the way from his resurrection to go and take the blood into the mercy seat before the Father's throne, he saw Mary Magdalene crying and he interjected his mission to comfort her. Because comfort is very close to the Lord Jesus' heart. It is so close that it interrupted his mission to go to the Father. Because he wanted to comfort her before he can even go. Comfort is very important in this new covenant. God is a God of comfort. He says, comfort my people. But, but look at what the Holy, the Holy Spirit cannot force comfort on you, brothers and sisters. Because if you live by what you see and by what you hear, look at what he says. And all the sons and his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. For he said, I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. He makes a statement of faith. I will go down into my grave to my son in mourning. Because all because of a tunic filled with blood. Look at the power of his eyes. How deceiving eyes are. Brothers and sisters, don't be robbed of your inheritance. And you being absolutely sure, no, this is the way it's going to go with my life. Because I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Believe words of Joseph. Believe Joseph is alive. Because I am Reuben. I see the son. I never saw him taken captive. I never saw him. I know he's alive. He's alive. Okay, let's look at the next picture. This is a picture of Joseph and his words, correct? Yes or no? Guys, I want to hear some feedback. Yes or no? Joseph and his words. Okay, 
So now the Midianites sell him to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Okay. Let's go to 36. Let's look at. Okay. So did Potiphar uh, prosper? Exodus chapter 37, verse 36. Okay, 38, oh, 38, let's uh, drop 38 because it talks about Judah. 39, now Joseph was taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, brought him out of the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Potiphar, of the Egyptian. And his master, and master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made him, made all he did to prosper in his hand. So the Lord, Joseph found favor in his eyes and served him. He made him overseer of all his house and all that he had put under his authority. Okay, so Potiphar prospered because he heard Joseph's words and he believed his words. So he did everything. But the moment, but there was one word that Potiphar didn't believe about Joseph. And what was that word? Look at verse 19. When, remember the, his wife makes an allegation that Joseph slept with him. And then verse 17. Then she spoke to him with words like this. The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me and to mock me. So it happened that I lifted up my voice and cried out. And he left his garment with me and fed outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him saying your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused now whose words is Potiphar believing his uh, his wife's words wife's. wife's words correct so now suddenly what happens is now Potiphar being blessed right now no so Joseph goes out from that house and jo the, Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. and But Joseph was in the prison and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper. Now, you remember when he was in the prison, there were two prisoners and they both had a dream and uh, Joseph interprets the dream for them. So they believe the words of Joseph and one was saved because of the interpretation while one was executed, correct? But that's a picture and we'll talk about it. One had blood in it and one did not have. One was a sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, I saw a dream where which I squeezed uh, grapes into the cup of my master. Correct? Oh, this is very powerful. I, I think you should see that. Uh, it is uh, uh, Genesis chapter 41. Okay, Genesis chapter 41. Okay, let's look at Genesis chapter. Sorry. Oh, I found a way to how to get the verse. Genesis chapter 40. Verse 11. Nine. 
9 onwards, okay? Okay, look, look at this word. Look at, look at how everything is about the Lord Jesus. Then the chief butler told him his dream to Joseph and he said to him, Behold, in my dream a wine was before me and in the wine was three branches and it was as though it budded and its blossoms shot forth and its cluster brought about ripe grapes. Then the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes and pressed it into the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in the, my Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to them, this is the interpretation that these three branches are three days and within three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to this place and you will put your Pharaoh's cup in his manner. So this is exactly what happened. He was restored. Because remember, this is a picture of the grapes being crushed into the Pharaoh's cup, which is a picture of the Lord Jesus. Because he received his sacrifice. So he was redeemed from his punishment. But look at the other guy. The chief butler, verse 16 when the chief butler saw that the interpretation was good, he said to the Joseph, I was also in my dream and there were white baskets on my head. Now it's a picture of your righteousness, your head, your righteousness. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for the Pharaoh and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. See, basket has baked goods. What is missing in baked goods that is not there in the vine? Blood. blood red you see one has no blood one does not have the sacrifice of the lord jesus christ see all your works apart from jesus remember it says because of lack of justice there is waste remember in the ground of the poor there is great much food but because of lack of justice there is great waste that means there is no blood shed on that ground See, in this butler's life, he is depending on his works. Remember the word, my head, baked goods, no blood, my works. And the birds, birds are a picture here of the kingdom of darkness, the demonic spirits. They ate his works. They, they ate his works, didn't last. His words, works disappeared. And then he said, Joseph said, this is the interpretation of this. In three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. See, because you, if you don't receive the hanging of somebody else on the tree, who will have to hang? You will have to hang. See, the, uh, the butler received that uh, sacrifice of the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, while the, uh, the baker didn't. So he had to hang himself. Like Judas didn't receive the hanging of the Lord Jesus for himself. So guess what he had to do? He had to hang himself. Everyone who doesn't receive the, that Jesus became a curse for you will become a curse themselves, brothers and sisters. See, that's the torment, that's the uh, sad part of the redemption story. The story is the words of redemption is the words of justice. It's the word of the blood. It's the word of the communion. It is of Joseph being in the pit without water. It's all about Jesus. It says if you don't receive that sacrifice and you depend on your baked goods on your head, <laughs> the dream looks good, but it has no blood in it. You got it? The words have to be words. So, so look at it. So, so they receive the words. So they receive the benefits of that words. So now let's go to 
Genesis chapter 42. We're still getting there. We'll say, remember Jesus said to the disciples, if you see me exalted to the place that I am before, will you believe? So Joseph is saying all these words that I am going to be exalted. You're going to bless me. They don't believe. But one day, Joseph shows up as the chief ruler in Egypt. And his brothers see him. Now they see him exalted with their physical eyes. Do they believe then? They didn't because they still had to believe his words. Because his words said, because they saw him exalted, but they didn't recognize him as Joseph. Because their eyes deceived them. So this is what Jesus is saying. If I show up in my glory with all my paraphernalia, I will not even be recognizable to you. I will look like an Egyptian to you. Unless I open my mouth and tell you, I am Joseph. <laughs> what a beautiful picture. Because you still have to believe my words. What a beautiful picture of a redemption story. What do you do with Joseph's words? You cannot live by what you see. You got it? You have to believe his words. So the butler and the um, baker, they saw dreams. They saw it. But they couldn't live by it unless they... Believe the, words. the words that came out of Joseph. The moment they believed, they received the reward for it. You got it? What do you do with the words of Joseph? Let's follow the journey with Joseph. Let's go to... Uh, um, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 42. Now Joseph's, now Jacob saw that there was grain. Now you know the story. The Pharaoh had a dream. Correct? Now Pharaoh has a dream. So Pharaoh sees something. So what does Pharaoh do with the dream that he saw? He calls for Joseph. And Joseph interprets the dream. Look at the power. Look at the power. Wow. Look at the power. I'll go to 41. Joseph is interpreting the dream of the Pharaoh. Look at the words that he's saying. This is the thing that I've spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Words. Say words. Pharaoh saw something, but it's of no use to him. Let me ask you a question. What Pharaoh saw isn't the key for great prosperity. For uh, uh, Pharaoh. Yes. yes. But was it useful for him what he saw? Yes. If it was not interpreted, was it be useful? No. No. So what was needed with what he saw? The interpretation. Because he had to hear words. Correct? So when he received the words from Joseph, when he believed the words, it created prosperity that lasted. In fact, history records and more and more archaeologists are saying the greatest increase that Egypt had in its history of civilization was during the time when Joseph ruled Egypt. 
and they are proving it. The timeline almost matches very close to the time. Egypt's greatest prosperity was when Joseph's words were heeded by Pharaoh. Look at what he says. This is the thing that I've spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come upon throughout the land. This is what the Lord is telling the church right now. He's speaking concerning these coming years to the church. 2020 and beyond. He's talking about after this will come seven years of famine. He's talking about stuff. I don't know how many years, but he's telling stuff. But all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be severe. Right? He's talking words. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God is shortly bringing it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh seek a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of all those good years coming and store up gain un- grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and the food shall be a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land and the land may not perish during the famine. So verse 37, so the, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. Question. What did Pharaoh do with the words of Joseph? He believed. he believed it. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense to him to store grain when there was so much plenty for seven years. But he believed the words of Joseph, and he did it. Look at what he said. And Pharaoh appointed Joseph over all the land. Let's go to. Uh, Genesis chapter 42 Jacob remember Jacob the one who does not believe his words but he's so confident that Joseph is dead Dead. how dead torn into pieces dead so he's very confident correct correct so is he is he having a great life what do you think Correct. Let's look at the, let's see Jacob. Remember it's the history of Jacob? We are still on the history of Jacob right now. So Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. (laughs) It's so beautiful. Okay, I have to stand up because I have to take a break, right? But, uh, yeah, but but look at it. This is the, this is the, this is the irony of the situation. Joseph is Jacob's son. Joseph is of the household of Jacob. There is grain in Egypt. No grain in Jacob. (laughs) There is grain in the enemies of Egypt, Israel. In Egypt, in the household of Pharaoh. Is God partial? What is the distinct? What di- distinguishes grain and lack of grain? Who valued the words of Joseph? It doesn't matter. So you see, it doesn't matter. You're a believer. You're an unbeliever, or you are a believer who is recent, or a believer who is mature. It doesn't matter. If you partake of the words of the Lord Jesus, 
you will live. If you don't, you will suffer. Not because he wants you to suffer. Because you don't value the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Correct? So the Gentiles will be blessed. Because they value Jesus. Which is a picture of what is right now. Jesus, for 2000 years, the Gentile house have valued the words of Jesus. But his Jewish brothers have not. But that is going to shift. We are going to see that in these end times. The Jewish brothers are going to believe the elder brother, the, the Joseph. It's going to happen. But in the meantime, the church, which is primarily a Gentile bride, correct? But is now benefiting of this prosperity, of this abundance of peace, on this 91, Psalms 91 protection that the non-believers don't have it. The, in, even to This COVID does not make a distinction between a Jew and a Gentile. Did you notice that? But it makes a distinction between a believer and an unbeliever. And there are believers who can live under this protection, but doesn't is not protected just because you are of a natural birth of Israel. You see? Now, the Gentile church who believes the word of God, or believes Psalms 91, who dwells under the shadow, can be protected. But great people, uh, great politicians are dying. Because... You, you, have, you decide whose words do you believe. Amen. Okay. So verse 42. Uh, Genesis chapter 20, 42 verse 1. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? <laughs> this is such a beautiful picture. It's like, what are you guys? It's like a typical old cranky father. <laughs> All his, his children are around him and it's like, what are you wasting your time? Get out of my sight. You know, there is grain in Egypt. What are you doing here before my face? Go to Egypt. <laughs> it's like, can you hear the cranky father in this? What are you doing looking at one another? <laughs> he didn't have to. He taught them not to believe Joseph. He started it. That's a great heritage, you know. But look at this. Verse 42, indeed I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain. And then we, we know what happened. Look at verse 46. Uh, six. Now Joseph was governor over the land. That's the picture of the Lord Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter. COVID, no COVID. Jobs, no jobs. A recession, no recession. Is your elder brother the governor over all the land? Yes or no? Yes. 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 He is the governor over all the land and it is it is he. Underline the word he. Bold it. Redline it. He is the source for everything now on the world. See, things have changed. Before Jesus died, Satan had a field day. Because he was using the law to keep the much food in the ground. And wasting the earth with desolation and famine. But now, price has been paid. Justice has been exacted. Now, Joseph is the governor in all the land. He is the one who will sell grain. And let me ask you a question. How does he sell grain? (coughs) 
Correct. You have to ask him. And how does he sell grain? Without price and without money. You know, the Isaiah 55 salesman is at your door. He says, come, buy from me without price, without money. So Joseph is going to do this. It is he who will, he will sell it to you, but he will sell it to you without price. See, that's a very interesting concept. Why does the word Holy Spirit use the word sell? Because you remember when, 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 you're, when you, I know people who are in India and a lot of the other countries, when you have to give something to your children to avoid taxes and a lot of other things, what do people do? They never give it to their children. What they do, they sell it to their children at one dollar. Why? Because once you sell something, that becomes a rightful owner of that property, cannot be taken back by the giver. If I give it to you without selling it, and if, you're, uh, if you are not, you, if your attitude is not good, I can take it back. But if I sell it to you, I cannot take it back. When, when the Lord Jesus gives you stuff, that's why he says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, cannot be taken back because he has sold it to you at a price and that price is what he prayed and it is without money for your side but great price by his side. But from your level, it's a transaction. So Satan cannot say, hey, he's been given to you as a gift so he can take it back. He cannot take it back because you bought it. Say, I bought it. I bought it. I bought it at no price. Amen? You got it. Okay. So, verse 7. Okay, let's look at verse uh, 6. Now, Joseph was governor of all the land. It was he who sold it to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Let me ask you a question. Is prophecy fulfilled? The words came to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. See, the words actually came to pass. Did it line up? It did line up. The words did come to pass. Joseph's words did come to pass. And they were bowing down. And he is the one who has the bread. Verse 7. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized him. But he acted like a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. And said, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. See, Jesus spoke roughly, or J Jesus speaks roughly to the people who don't receive his words on the earth. Remember, that's why when the, the f uh, five foolish virgins, they come back and the door is closed. They knock because they've gone out to buy oil from those who buy and sell oil. Let me ask you a question. Who is the one who sells oil? Isaiah 55, he said, buy oil, drink, buy wine. Who is the one who is selling it? The Lord Jesus. Who is the bridegroom who is coming? The Lord. the Lord. So the one who is selling the oil is the one who is coming. But because they never recognized him on the earth, they don't recognize him at his second coming. Because they are so used to buying oil and wine from people. But the church doesn't buy their oil and wine from people. The church buys the oil and wine from Joseph. 
So when, when, when they say go and buy from the, one, from the ones who sell oil and wine, what should the five foolish virgins should have done? What's that? What's that? They should have stayed there because the bridegroom is the one who is coming and he has the oil and the wine. But they went out. Remember, because they are naturally thinking that it is people who will give you oil and wine. The church sources are not the world's sources. Sorry, the world's sources are not your sources. You have a source. The world has sources. It is Joseph who sells grain. That's why the word says it is Joseph, not the Egyptians. It is Joseph. Say Joseph. Joseph. Only one source. He, the Lord Jesus. He's the only one. You got it? And he spoke roughly to him because this is what. So what happened when the five foolish virgins, they came back. What did the bridegroom say from inside the door? They said, open the door. I don't recognize you. Yeah, I don't know you. This is exactly what Joseph is telling. Because you didn't believe my words. See, you have to believe his words when you are here on the earth. He says, and he spoke to them, where are you from? From the land of Canaan. Look at the verse next eight. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. You got it? So, then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed. Now, Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about him. And he said, you are the spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, no, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. Then they said, your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is, is with our father today and one is no more. Let me ask you a question. But Moses said it. Okay. So what is going on out here? Okay. So this is, this is very, very interesting. This is very beautiful. So what are the brothers trying to get Joseph to do? Don't scream. Okay. For the longest time, Joseph was trying to get the brothers to believe his words. Here, the roles have flipped. The brothers are now trying to get Joseph to believe their words. <laughs> so, so Joseph is going to play along. He's saying, you all are spies. You all are spies. So now, now see, you see, you see the beauty of this. Because now Joseph is trying to get them to do what? Believe his words. No, yeah, but or what? Most importantly? <laughs> the right word. To believe the spoken word. He's trying to get them to know that believing the spoken word is critical to your existence. 
See, for example, he's trying to say, if I, you may be telling the truth, but if I don't believe it, I, Joseph, I am the ruler of Egypt. I have the authority to give you bread, but I have to believe your words for me to give it to you. But if I don't believe it, what will happen to you? You can't get it. That means, do you think it is important for me to believe your words? Yes. yes. Do you think it is important for you to believe my words? Yes. You see? It's the same operation. It's the same principle for, for Jesus to give and for them to receive or Joseph to give and for them to receive, for Jesus to give and for you to receive the operation of believing the words is critical, brothers and sisters. This is how we, the transaction happens in the new covenant. The transaction happens by believing words. Say, believing words. Believing words. Believing words. You got it? See, the, the same brothers who could only believe what they saw is now have to depend on Joseph believing their words. That's a sad picture, but that's a true picture. That is why Jesus says, out of your mouth, you will be condemned or out of your mouth, you will be justified. That means words will determine your eternal destiny. Wow, that's powerful. That means words are going to decide how, I, how my life will turn out here on the earth. Yes, it is already decided how your life is going to turn out into eternity. You know how? Because you spoke with your mouth. You confessed with, you believed in your heart and you spoke with your mouth. Your mouth opened the life. That's why when the Bible says, he who eats of the tree of life, that was, that maybe it was a physical tree, but you know what was that about? Eat the words of Jesus. That is the word, tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life and you have to eat his words. That was the one that could give them eternal life in the garden. That's the one that gives you eternal life right now. That's the life that gives you eternal life in the years, in the eternity. Both are words. Eat of his words. Speak his words. So let's follow the journey. Okay. And they said, your brothers, and, G and but Joseph said to them, it is, a, if, if it, if it is, a, it is as you speak, as I spoke to you, are spies. Then he says in verse 50, In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not leave this place unless your brother comes here. So he says, now prove it. So he's making them realize the folly of depending on the seen word on the seen thing on your eyes. That means yeah, he says, Joseph says, I will not believe unless you bring your brother and I can physically see him. See, now it's going to create a lot of torment because they don't want to bring Benjamin because Benjamin, uh, jo Jacob believes Benjamin is the only one. Joseph has already died. Oh, what, a, what a sad story. Okay, but finally they go back. Uh, th this is what he said. So the, uh, Joseph said, bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. So they said they didn't get any bread. They just left him. Okay. 
Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty of our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. Where did he plead with him? Them. In the pit. Remember we just talked about it? When he pleaded with us and we would not hear, therefore this distress has come upon us. See, they did not hear the words of G Joseph in the pit. They did not value his words. Same. The whole picture is a picture of what do they do with the words of Joseph? When he was in anguish, what did they do with his words? What did they do his words when he spoke his dreams? What do his, do his words when they spoke to him as Pharaoh's right-hand ruler? Then Reuben said, did I not say, speak to you? Do not sin against a boy. Therefore, his blood is not required of us. See, the blood of Jesus is going to be required eventually. He's been required of us because, and we received that blood. But if you reject that blood, it will be required of you one day by you paying the price yourself. I don't want to pay the price. I want to receive it. It's going to be required. Okay. They did not know that Joseph understood them. <laughs> wow. What a picture. For he spoke through an interpreter. You see, because he, they, he does, they don't have a relationship. The church has a relationship. We have the Holy Spirit. We have a tongues. We have the speech, that the same speech that Jesus has. So we can speak, but the world cannot communicate with this God. They speak through an interpreter, but we speak plainly. So he turned aside from them and wept. And then he talked with them. And, they, and he took Simeon from them and bound him with his eyes, which is a picture of the law. Simeon is, hear the law. He, uh, uh, Joseph, the Jesus bound the law. Bound the law means the law was a stumbling block for Israel. This is how Israel is finally going to come back and accept Jesus. It's going to happen. There's a prophetic picture and I'm not going to go into it. But look at what he says. Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain. Even though they did not recognize him, restore every man's money to his sack and gave them provisions for the journey. Thus he did to them. Remember, he is no, he's going to give them grain, but without charging them money. Same, Isaiah 55. So they had loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. Then as one of them opened their sack to give his donkeys feed at the encampment, he saw his money and there it was. And where was the money, according to this verse? And there it was in the mouth of his sack. Why would the Holy Spirit put this verse, mouth, there? For us to know where is, where is the prosperity, where is the victory? In the mouth. You see, it's in the mouth of the sack. It is in your mouth, remember. The, the abundance of the Lord Jesus Christ is not deep somewhere. It's not like this deep truth. Oh, you need years of study to understand from the scripture how to get this. Where is it, Thompson? In the mouth. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the mouth. <laughs> it's out there in the mouth. So just open the mouth and speak it. And that's where your money is. So it's like, Lord, I'm praying for this business and this business has never happened. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you're looking for some deep wisdom from God. <laughs> you're doing this great market analysis and competition survey and spending money on consultants. The money is where your mouth is. <laughs> yeah, actually, where did that come from? I think it's a saying out there in the world, right? Put your money 
I think there is some truth in it. Now, let me say, but the believers know what it really means. What are, what are you speaking? Speak it and immediately you will receive money. Immediately, not like a deep work. Speak it. What's your problem? John, what's your problem? Your job is only to confess, correct? Correct? That, that's how it is. I mean, what's your problem? We have no problem. Our confession of our mouth is what our, our steps is. Let's put the words of Joseph on your mouth. That's how it is. It is on the mouth of the sack. Then he said to his brothers, my money has been restored and it is in my sack. He's like, and their hearts failed them and they were afraid saying to one another, what is this God has done for us? Let me ask you a question. Are they afraid in fear or are they afraid in great joy? What's that? Total fear. Fear. That's what you think, right? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter, I think 31, 32, it says, In that day, because of the great goodness that I will do for you, you shall fear and tremble. You see, the believer's life is a life of fearing and trembling for the exceeding greatness of prosperity, of victory, of the abundance of goodness that God does for us. Can somebody get that verse if you have it already? I think it's in Jeremiah chapter 31 or 32. Uh, or if you, you, can, you can search, it says, uh, you'll fear and tremble for the exceeding great goodness. I think it is Jeremiah, but I don't know which chapter, or Ezekiel, one of those. If somebody uh, Google said, can tell me that. Okay. So he says, they, their hearts failed them and they were afraid, saying to one another, what is this that God has done for us? That means, this is incredible. We came to Egypt to buy grain. That means we had to give what to get grain from Egypt? Money. Money. So here they are, they got the grain and what? And, the money back. and they got their money back. That is the goodness of God. And that's what believers are supposed to expect during this time. Will you believe it? That you don't have to pay the price that the Lord Jesus Christ has paid the price and you don't have to pay the price for this restoration? Hallelujah, that's a prophetic word for some of you. That what you have lost along with the word, the world does not get it restored, but you get it restored because I paid the price. You will not only get restored, but you will have the money to show it for it. Hallelujah. And they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan and told him all that happened to him. So what did they bring back to Jacob, his father, in uh, Canaan? What did they bring back? Money. Okay. And no good news yet. They don't know that Joseph is uh, uh, alive yet. So then they said, and then they, remember, they're supposed to go, go back and get Benjamin. So then they are now trying to tell jo, uh, Jacob that they need, they need to part uh, with Benjamin. Okay. So it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Same thing. Then Jacob's father said, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Do you see how convinced he is 
that Joseph is no more. I mean, he is so convinced about his, what he saw, correct? He is eating the grain that Joseph just sent. <laughs> but yet, what he's seen with his eyes is more powerful than what the words that has been spoken and that has been brought back by Joseph's brothers. He says, Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. <laughs> he's already killed Simeon. It's like... Simeon is just bound in Egypt, correct? But according to Jacob, what? Not going to come back. <laughs> okay, I want to see some of your faces because I have to scroll down. This is so beautiful. So Jacob has this principle, right? If I cannot see it, I don't have it. <laughs> so I don't care. If it is my son, if I don't see it, I don't have it. I hope you are not parents like it. Like you don't see your children for some time. I don't have, I don't, you send your children, you send your children to college, I don't see them, I don't have them. No, I mean, don't ever get into them more. I mean, that is the principle of Jacob. Joseph, I cannot see. No. Astaravista, I don't have him, right? Simeon, I cannot see. I don't have him. I mean, he, he's living his life based on what he can see. That is pathetic. I mean, and a lot of believers live in this picture. Oh, I, uh, brother, I live in a one-bedroom house. I can't pay my rent. But Lord is saying, I'm going to bring in a broad la uh, land. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you... I, brother, I cannot see it happening. Yes. See, he's using the word. You're using the, you're using the right wo words, but the wrong application. I don't see it happening with my income. I don't see it, therefore I don't have it. I follow Jacob, my father. No, you don't. You follow Joseph. You believe his words. You got it? You see the power of words out here? Joseph, Simeon is no more. And, and, you, want, and, and you want to take Benjamin? <laughs> see, the, 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 the believers or the, the people who don't believe words are hostage by flesh. That means by what they see and what they hear. Hear means the natural words, the natural report. When I say hear, means not the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who don't believe God's word are held hostage by their flesh. Flesh means what they see and what they hear in the natural, correct? When that happens, you have a confident expectation of evil. Let me repeat. When you don't believe the words of God, of Jesus over your life, you become hostage to what you see and what you hear. And then when you do that, you become hostage to a confident expectation of evil. Look at what he says. All these things are against me. Everybody is against me. He started off with Joseph being not there. Then Simeon is gone. Now Benjamin, is, is Benjamin still with him? But in his eyes, what? God. <laughs> He's God too. He's God. Okay, now he doesn't stop at Benjamin. Now he says what? All these things. Everything that is happening. Everything. Even the grain that has come into my house is against me. You got it? You see how it happens? It's like constantly things going wrong in your life. Everything is breaking down. You know, it's like... I mean, I was like... I mean, 
one thing after. So when when everything, or somebody was saying this. If if you're always facing issues in your life, you might want to check. You may be the issue. <laughs> If you're always facing issues in your life, maybe you are the issue, correct? So, 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 okay, so don't worry about that. Let's go to the next verse. Then Reuben spoke to his father, kill my two sons if I do not bring Uma. Reuben is like, I'm absolutely confident. <laughs> He's like, everybody is into killing and all that. You know, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you because Reuben is confident of what? Joseph, he believes Joseph's words. You see, Reuben means see the sun. He, from right from beginning, he believes words. That's the church. Reuben believes the church. See the sun. Reuben said, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. And he said, my son shall not go down with you for... And Jacob said, no, I will not. Even with this, Jacob said, no. If any calamity shall befall him along the way... Then you will bring down my gray head with sorrow to the grave. Okay. Let's look at the next verse. Genesis chapter 45. Finally, Joseph reveals him to his uh, brothers. Joseph, Genesis chapter 45 verse 1. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all who stood by and he cried out, Make everyone go out. So he made... he. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he cried aloud and, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. See, he gave them what? Words. Does my father still live? Does, what does his father think about Joseph? That he's dead. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near him. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother. Same words. Came back to the same words. I am the brother you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourself, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life, which is what the Lord Jesus came here for. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there has been still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. The Lord sent me to preserve. Okay. Now it is not you who sent me here by God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go to my father and what? What? Say to him. What does jo Jacob need? For him to get out of his rut. Believe the, Believe the words. So is Joseph going to Canaan to show himself to Jacob? No. no. What is he sending to Jacob? Words. words again. Look at that. Go tell Jacob, your father, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flock and your herds and all that you have. I will provide for you lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. So curse of poverty is removed by believing the words of Jesus. You see this? He doesn't want anybody to live in poverty for there shall be still five years of famine. 
but behold your but behold your eyes so he says believe the eyes of the one who sees me so joseph is telling jacob believe the eyes not your eyes believe the eyes of your brother of your sons who have seen me believe the eyes of your brother your eyes and the eyes of your brother benjamin see that it is in my mouth that it is my mouth that speaks to you so you shall tell my father of all my glory in egypt of all that you have seen and you shall hurry and bring my father down here then he fell on his brother benjamin's neck and we know the story so so the uh, the ch- so the pharaoh the pharaoh said to uh, joseph verse 17 the pharaoh said to joseph say to your brothers do not do this load your animals and depart go to the land of canaan bring your father and your household and come to me i will give you the best of the land of egypt and you will eat the fat of the land and then now you are commanded do this take carts out of the land of egypt for your little ones and your wives bring your father and come do not be concerned about your goods for the best of all the land of egypt is yours wow the pharaoh says send carts and bring them here the best of egypt is yours this is what the lord jesus says i am the governor over this the earth the best of the land of the earth is mine come and live n- near me that means believe my words live next to me believe my, me as my source and all that the land of egypt is yours so the sons of egypt israel did so according to the command of pharaoh and he gave them provisions along the way let's go to verse 25 we'll uh, come to a close and they came up from the land of egypt and came to the land of canaan to jacob their father and they told him saying joseph is still alive and is governor over all the land of egypt and jacob's heart stood still because you see the problem he did not believe them now he is not believing the words that joseph is alive in egypt he's this is incredible the power of the, the your flesh to see because even at this point of time does he have to exercise faith does jacob have to exercise faith yes because he cannot see physically joseph but he has to believe the eyes of his sons who have seen joseph because remember he is dependent on his eyes so joseph told tell them that your eyes have seen me so he's trying to joseph is telling tell jo- <laughs> joseph is telling his brothers tell tell your fa- tell your father and my father the secret word and what is the word <laughs> eyes <laughs> your eyes have seen me oh that is sad when when the lord jesus have to say that right which is a picture of the of joseph the lord jesus this is what Je- lord jesus appeared to thomas remember the disciples saw jesus alive thomas was not in the room when the disciples saw uh, thomas the next day they told thomas we have seen the lord what did thomas say 
Let's go to John chapter 20, verse 24. Now, verse 24. John chapter uh, 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. And he, so he said to them, Unless I see in my hands the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and put my hand into his side. You see a lot of this putting, finger, touching, feeling, seeing. You see that thing? Because why? Because Thomas doesn't want to do what? He doesn't believe the words. So after eight days, Jesus shows up. After eight days, when the disciples were inside and Thomas with them, Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in the midst of him and said, words, peace to you. And he said to Thomas, reach into your hand. He's saying, okay, I'll play this game. Okay, do what you want. Put your hand, put your hand into my side, put into your side. Do not be unbelieving because he cannot be born again unless he believes words. And then what did Thomas do? He said, my Lord and my God. So he believed. He didn't do the touching and the feeling. There is no record of Thomas ever putting his hand in his side. There's no record of Thomas ever putting his hands in his finger. Because if he did that, he could never, he would have not believed. Because he's still depending on what he saw and what he felt. So, but he believed. He said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You, 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 this is not just about your believing life. This is for every aspect of your life here as a believer. Believe the words of Jesus. Believe the words of abundance. Believe the prophecy that God is speaking over the church today. Believe. And let's go back quickly back to Genesis chapter, where were we? Genesis chapter 45, because I, I don't want to leave you holding in the, uh, the last one. Genesis chapter 45. Uh, verse 26, and they told him, Joseph is alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. And when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, words, and, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had said to carry him, he saw all the prosperity that came from Egypt, the spirit of Jacob revived. Finally, verse 28, you see something changed in his name from 27 to 28. What changed? Jacob became Israel. See, once you believe Jesus and his words, your name changes. Israel becomes prince. Now you become an inheritance of everything that Joseph has. See how the Holy Spirit flips it right away? His name changes the moment Jacob believed words. Hallelujah. When you believe words, you become a prince. You become a co-ruler with Jesus. Everything that Jesus has becomes yours. You become a prince. Israel means a prince. Hallelujah. It is enough, Israel said. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go 
and see him before I die. What is that a picture of? If I tell you, uh, Sushil, you will see Jesus before you die. What, what, what would you conclude? Okay, somebody else. Alkesh, if I tell you, you will see Jesus before you die. But you will, uh, I will go and see him. No, no, it says I will go and see him before I die. Okay, look at what he says. I will go and see him. That's a physical. And see him before I die. That's a rapture. See, the ones who remain are the generation that believes his words will go and see Jesus before they die because they will never die because they will see him physically. That means they will not have a natural death and they will see the Lord Jesus before they die. There is a generation who will believe the words of Jesus. Like Enoch, believed the words before the floods came. They believed and he was not. You, there is going to be a remnant that is going to see Jesus before they die. Everybody else is going to see Jesus after they die. But there is a remnant that remains, that that remnant is marked by their name being changed to Israel. And that remnant is going to be marked by a generation that believes that incredible words of a living governor who they cannot see, but they believe. And they rule and reign with him here on the earth. Hallelujah. And God says when, when that happens, the rapture of the church is near. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because that's the picture. It's a, it's a secret. It's a mystery that is put there of the end times. But it's a generation that will believe. that ble It's called blessed generation. Who will see, who will believe at face value what God is saying about this generation. And I told you, the prophetic word for this year was Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I want you to read it and I'm going to go through it. It's about the, the miracle of Je Jehoshaphat. And how God did a great uh, victory without fighting. And Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20. And I am sure you heard this. 2020, which is the... Uh, it's almost like uh, for this year. The year 2020. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20 says... And, and they rose early in the morning and they went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and all inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. The question the Holy Spirit is saying is, Will you believe his words in 2020? Will you believe Second Chronicles 2020? Will you believe 2020? Will you believe what I say in 2020? Will, I, will you believe or will you confess what's on the mouth of the world? Will you confess what you're seeing with your eyes? Will you confess what you're hearing with your ears? Or will you believe of 2020? Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. And believe in his prophets and you will prosper. Prophets bring what? What do prophets bring? Words. 
Today the Holy Spirit has brought words to each one of you. I don't know what situation you all are in, what challenges you are facing, but Lord has brought words to you. But God, you have no, you have, you have to decide what to do with these words. Like Joseph's words, either you can be blessed by it, or if you disbelieve that and believe what you see, like Jacob, you can be tormented for a great part of your life, unless you believe and become a prince like him and rule like him. I, I say, I encourage you, <laughs> believe the words, what the Lord is saying during this year. Because this is prophetic. And then they says, and, and, and when they began to sing and to praise, verse 22, the Lord said ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zire. Wow. And look at this way, verse 25. When Jehoshaphat and the people came to take away the spoil, they found among them after the crisis was over, let me repeat, after the crisis is over, let me repeat, after the crisis is over, remember we are still in Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20 and following, after the crisis is over, Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, get ready for spoil. They found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies. Businesses that are bankrupt. You will find valuables to pick up. You will find opportunities. An abundance of valuables on the dead bodies. Who are the ones who died? Those are the ones who didn't believe the words. You will find abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoils. Get ready for three incredible years of great harvest. Hallelujah. Of gathering. Of gathering. Because there is going to be so much of gathering. Not just in the natural but in the spiritual for the church, for your friends, for the harvest that is going to flow in. Because after this crisis, is going to come a great number of resources for the great outpouring, for the great reaping, and the great gathering. Say, I'm getting ready. Say, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. For great gathering. Because there, there is an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies. Guys, I want you to confess. <laughs> okay, I want you to all unmute yourself, except the ones who have echo. I want you to start confessing. I receive all what the words that the prophets have spoken for this year, 2020. That is from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it. I receive it. The Lord Jesus is governor over all the earth. And he is my source. And I believe him. And I believe that he is alive.
and is seated and i am i core hair and i am a co-hair with him i am getting ready i am getting ready i am getting so ready to collect valuables precious jewelry that is coming out of this crisis and i'm going to gather more from what i can carry because there is so much spoil that the lord jesus has made available for me thank you jesus thank you master thank you lord thank you master let me just pray over you father we thank you lord for your precious word father we gather in this valley in the middle of the year and we declare it baraka the blessing of the lord we bless you lord for this word that has been spoken over our lives today oh master we believe the words oh master this is the valley of baraka the valley of blessing we do, we have evidence of things not seen right now because we have the joy in our heart we believe the spoken word of master we believe the spoken word of joseph our heavenly joseph and we believe him o lord we don't believe what our eyes sees we don't believe what our ears hear we believe what have our eyes have seen on high master we have seen that the lord jesus lives we have seen the balm of gilead we have seen the restoration of all that the enemy has taken from us we have seen the silver cup and the mouth of our sacks we have seen the money that is there on our lips and we confess the words we don't judge by the eyes and by the hearing of our ears but we speak your words o lord so speak the fruit of my lips says the lord jesus christ speak shalom to your situation right now in jesus name speak shalom right now into everything that is broken speak shalom says the lord speak shalom over your children don't worry about what you hear from their mouth what worry what you see that they block don't worry about it says the lord speak shalom over them hallelujah thank you lord now you, the heavens and the earth have heard the words that the church have spoken now we sp- speak over this government over this land lord in the name of jesus that righteous people will be in authority and the righteous people will be elected for the our great governor rules and therefore you will appoint your servants lord in this land and none of the works of the enemy shall prevail the church is in charge here the church is in charge here and we speak your words over this land lord we don't speak unbelief we speak belief we speak belief what you have told us and we receive for us a great plunder and we thank you lord father let this place this day august 22nd 2020 let this be marked lord 
in your calendar, Lord, that this group of believers believed your words and let it be marked in heaven that ministering spirits have been sent forth all across from everywhere to help, help us gather what we couldn't collect or we couldn't carry. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for only if to you belongs to all the glory, for you paid the price. And we give you all honor and all the power, for we bless you. We bless you, Lord, for this incredible harvest of souls that is coming into the kingdom. We thank you for this incredible victory in our government and in the elections that is happening. We thank you for those incredible uh, authorities that has been set up in our churches. Incredible teachers that you are bringing into the churches. Incredible prophets that you are going to reveal in the last days. Incredible harvest of unbelievers that are coming into the kingdom from unknown source, unknown places is coming, O oh Lord, in these next three years. We praise you. Our houses, our, our houses and our churches are going to overflow with so much abundance, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believe it. We declare it. And we see it right now with our spirit. We worship you. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I'm hearing worse words which says, but someone has to pay the price. Someone has to labor. Someone has to torment. The Lord says those, those words and those lies are from the pit of hell. The only blood that is acceptable to the Father has already been crushed. And, and the Father has received it. It is finished. Don't add to it, says the Father. I don't delight in the blood of anyone else. Receive my finished work. For I rest in his work and so will you. Be still and position and see the incredible victory I'm going to do for you, says the Lord in these days. Stand still and give a continual offering of thanks to my name. On a daily basis, when tunics stained with blood appear at your doorstep, consider it not. For my son is alive and he rules and reigns and you reign with him. We worship you, Lord, and we thank you. We believe with our heart and we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ reigns. Let carts show up at our houses. Mark it in your calendar, August 22nd, 2020. Carts will start showing up at your doorstep, bearing the gifts of Egypt, says the Lord, because you believe the words of the ruler of Egypt. Thank you, Jesus. Partake of my abundance and your soul will be satisfied. We worship you. 
we thank you. In Jesus' name, we believe and we receive. And all God's people saying, Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.